0: Let's drop the green flag on this episode of the Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and
1: off-road racing.
0: All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Back in the Talent Tank we go on this installment. As you guys clicked on, you're like, Pam Hall. I know who Pam Hall is. She's uh, currently announcing uh Ultra Force live show. We see her on TV with Miles, on the computer with Miles. We see her on you know Facebook, Instagram a little bit, but we don't know much about her. Today, we're going to find out Pam Hall. Pam Hall? Pam, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited about this. So, long story short story i don't know uh but i'm sitting in an rv in oklahoma with miles hasakist wife uh from Palekins. Her named bailey hasakist bailey and one of her girlfriends sam and we're sitting there and we're watching the live show because it was it was friday it was damn cold no
1: yes it was freezing cold it, was, it
0: went from hot to cold and they're like why who's who's pam like what you know, what's the story on this on this chick and i'm like Oh man, to be honest with you, I really don't know much about him. I've met you in the ultra <laughs> four media, tr- media tent at King Hammers and you worked the yes. media tent taking care of yes. how many, how many photographers were there this year? Like 400.
1: Oh gosh. Usually there's over 450 photographers, media videographers that we have to check in every single year. This year there was more. So well over 450 this year, but in the past, it's been always over that 400 mark.
0: So that was where I met you and you were just kind of keeping all the, you're like a, a shepherd herding all the cats all around. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. she's impressive. Like you were really impressive. You kind of had a commanding presence. And then next thing I know, I see you, you're doing the live show. And then, so yes. these girls that I'm with in the RV were watching you and they're like, who is she? And you're like, you know what? Maybe I need to have her on. That I came up to the, the Nitto trailer, uh, to the Nitto lounge. And yes, and they're the not,
1: awesome, Nitto Lounge. It kept us warm,
0: and they're not paying me for this. So, Nitto's not paying me, no. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> right? Uh, we're, we're off the clock, and I come in there and you know, sit down with you and Miles, and I watched you for a little bit. And then, um, I came back on Saturday and I, I thought about it. I really thought long and hard about let's get you on the talent tank, let's find out who Pam Hall is. So, here you are.
1: Here I am. Let's let's really find out who I am, dig deep, and, and, and you're first so time doing this for me
0: and you're so bubbly and awesome and full of energy i have you know can fully see why you ended up with the microphone in your hand uh, announcing the live <laughs> show i think it's crazy. i can't wait to hear the story about how that even came to fruition but
1: oh it, it's definitely interesting but uh, yeah back to that media tent though i was always i was named myself as the concierge of the media tent
0: <laughs> i i think that's a fair statement right
1: yeah, I was always like checking people in, making sure they were good. Emily Miller started having me, you know, show them the maps and shuttling. So anyways, we'll probably get into that more detailed though.
0: And fixing people's Wi-Fi passwords like cuz oh that's like super secretive. You guys Yes. you have to hand over your device. You guys yes. input it and then you hand it back.
1: There's literally 3 of us that know that password. Myself, Christy, Emily Miller doesn't even know it. And then normally the person that is doing the media in there with us for the ultra four pages, we're the only ones with the passwords for that.
0: And you're going to take that to your grave, right?
1: Yes. Yes. All the way. And then I'm always giving lead nav too. It seems like I would always call home to my husband. Hey, help me with getting lead nav on my device. And so I'd be giving it to the people that needed to know where to go out to photograph.
0: And the funny, th- the not funny, that's the wrong word the fun thing i think the like what i've learned about you and know about you is you are a very veteran seasoned racer you've got more than a decade of racing desert off-road racing under your belt and, and here you are showing up in ultra 4 and everyone's like oh who's this new girl and you're <laughs> this not this new
1: girl wants to race ultra 4
0: <laughs> yeah we're going to ha- we're going to put the petition out here with like throw up flares you know Right? Send out flyers, you know, we'll Get a get the, the Hilo and some drones to drop flyers over Hammertown and be like, Pam Hall is available, <laughs> has helmet, fire suit, oh. will travel.
1: Yes, I will travel with my fire suit and helmet always.
0: <laughs> well, I think the way you can spin this is if you get Travis Walder and Dave and all that company to let you, you know, actually, you know, it's it's probably more, more Dan Lloyd Campbell to put a microphone you know, into your helmet, and then you can do interviews on race course. That's how you should sell oh, this.
1: That would be totally awesome. Or do, you know, live in camp, you know, in car, um, audio and have a camera going. So it can go onto the live show as, as you know, we're racing.
0: I think this is that'd your be, angle. We're working on, I'm, I like it. I'm angling, trying to get you in there, but no, right, yeah. You, so you're love the to be in a can a. I'm
1: doing it. Oh, or 4, bla-
0: <laughs> I would angle for the 4,400, right?
1: Yeah. That'd be smoother
0: save all your teeth get less shook up right <laughs> so uh yeah you've been racing since like 2007 we're gonna go on into that in a little bit and like how you got yep. indoctrinated into everything dust and dirt and off-road you're a mom of a racer you have a 12 a year old son he's a racer yes
1: yes, and we're yes t- he
0: is talk about that little dude here in a little bit and then you're a patriot yes yeah very
1: much so and
0: today you've seen my
1: instagram post huh
0: i well that's what <laughs> So, and I told you, you know, part of doing this kind of job, I'd make sure I do my homework on you. And I'm like, wow. And we, we go our headshots too, right? What pictures okay. we're going to use for headshots. And you and I went back and forth a lot because you want sure yes. to right make sure you get the right one. I want to make sure you get the right one. I want to make sure you get one that you like. So yeah, I have to, you know, e-stalk you so, right. so speak. Don't worry. I have to do it for the dudes too. So that's only, it's, all good. it's only kind of awkward. You know, there you are stalking Casey Gilbert and there's nothing <laughs> but stuck tractors and, or James Cantrell, it's just blown out trailer tires. I mean, oh, you, you, it's a you in an American flag bikini with a <laughs> you know a flag and like this <sighs> yeah. chick rocks.
1: A couple of firearms in my hand. Yeah, that was my Fourth of July post.
0: Red blood America,
1: and I love the flag. So
0: yeah, red blood American girl, and we're doing it on today. Today's election day. Today's the yes, third. It is. So everyone's gonna hear this and buy. It. Well, hopefully, you know, we haven't had some well, no. war. And, well, we hope, I hope there's not a lot of lawsuits.
1: Did you vote? Did you vote? I
0: did. I, I early voted, uh, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. I I wouldn't, where I live in Southwest, uh, of Houston in kind of a suburb and a county that is, um, well, I'll tell you right now, my school district, my kid's school district, it is the number one, most diverse school district in the United States. So if that tells oh, you wow. anything, okay. so we're you know we may be a red state or maybe there's claims that we're going to be blue, but my county is 100% blue. So it's, oh gotcha, you know, and I I do wear my political leanings on my sleeve, and I I do feel like my vote is just a canceling out of another vote here in this county, and probably the other side gotcha. feels the same way. So
1: gotcha. Did you vote? Oh, of course I went today. I actually went because we moved here last summer to North Carolina from California. And I registered to vote last summer when I got my new driver's license for here. And I show up to vote in my county today and they can't find me. So they proceed to tell me that I would have to fill out a provisional ballot and my vote probably won't even count. I was so upset because I'm like, this is pointless to vote if I'm not, you know, if it's not going to show up and, you know, count. So we left. My husband and I, we literally registered the same day. He was in the right county. I was in the right county. But they put me in the wrong county. I don't know what happened. But anyways, so I ended up finding out where I was registered to vote, and I ended up going and voting. So now my vote will count. So it makes me happy. uh, uh, Yeah, I was was a little upset.
0: You were a patriot, and you did the right – well, I mean, you did the best thing uh, uh, against all odds, right?
1: Right, exactly. I didn't know I could go online and find out where I was actually registered to vote. He did that. I did not know I could do that. So – but I did. He he looked it up for me and made sure that um, he told me exactly where to go. And I went and I voted. So I actually voted twice today, but my first one won't count. But I got <laughs> my neat little pin original. that says I voted.
0: Well, there you go. So, uh, I mean, I think that kind of matters, at least in my mind. It matters for what, like, King of the Hammers looks like. I've been told that the permits are pulled. Like, everything is ready. There's no chance it doesn't happen is right. what I've been told. But I, we're all skeptics, right? We've seen, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm even skeptical too. So,
0: I mean, we've seen what they did with COVID. We've seen what the political spin on stuff. So I know I'm getting definitely out of my lane and the lane of the talent tank when we're talking about COVID and politics as they, right where they go in this country. But man, I, I think that, you know, could impact, impact our racing. Impact a lot Maybe. of the guys and how they make money to go racing too.
1: Oh, exactly. It's not hurting. I mean, I don't get political either, but it's it's hurting everybody, not just businesses and stuff. It's hurting racers, all the businesses actually that have to do with racing too. So, anyways, yeah, I'm I'm not a political person myself. So, but
0: <laughs> but right, but
1: but, but we go right. vote.
0: We go vote. I mean, we, exactly. do what, we do We do we uphold our obligation and we we go handle business. Uh, that's that's exactly. what that's what we do. You can count on us. Yeah, the, the American flag bikini and the guns—awesome! I think anyone that can pull that off, they should pull that off. I fully support. I fully support. They're great. They're awesome. I I know a little bit more about you and knew that the type of person I was going to deal with in an interview tonight. I was like, wow, this chick's awesome. <laughs> and,
1: my, and my husband took those photos.
0: And he's a photographer, so I. And now I'm going to get into that here. So let's talk current affairs outside of the election stuff. Okay we're fresh off nationals. We kind of mentioned that, you know, that's a week and a half ago, how nationals go for you.
1: It went great. I actually, I was on another event for two weeks before nationals. So I went from one event to the next. And when I showed up at nationals, I showed up on Monday and normally I don't show up till Thursday since I do announcing with miles. I They don't have me come in till Thursday because they don't need us till then in reality, but I showed up. And on Tuesday morning, I went out and I started doing course marking with JT Taylor and Rusty. Rusty was also there. Rusty Travis, who is normally at the start finish line. So it was so much fun to get out on course and do course marking because I've never done that. It got me familiar with what the racers were going to be on. So doing the announcing was easier. So I actually did that Tuesday and Wednesday. So it was completely different than what I've I'm used to, but um it was super hot. We we're talking about weather it earlier. It was, it was. It was super hot. Like we were wearing t shirts, actually like tank tops and shorts doing the course marking. And then come Thursday, it cools off. Friday come qualifying, and everyone's freezing their booties off. And we're like layered up, have hand warmers in our pockets, you know, and it's raining. But um Nationals was really good. I had a lot of fun. Nitto was awesome for letting us use their, their lounge to announce in. So it made it nice and cozy. I had a blast. I felt more comfortable because this was really my, only my third time announcing on the live show. And so it, it was easier, I think, to announce this time being on course, doing my homework. Miles is a good teacher. So he's a uh, telling me what I need to do. So I've been doing my homework.
0: There's absolutely that knowing the course is absolutely, you know, imperative and to have experienced. I think that's why people that are, our racers or have race do such a good job in that role of announcing him. They, they, they can convey in words exactly what the guy with the helmet on in the race car is kind of going through at different portions of the course. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. That was cool. You also got to see the other side and you got to work with JT. A good day with JT yeah. is better than a bad day with JT. So I
1: had a great day. It was awesome. He took me up health gate, which was one of the hardest obstacles on the course. We went up it. He has um, a side-by-side. And so we were actually out pre-running and not pre-running. We were actually out course marking. He said he was going up it. And I said, well, I want to get in because his daughter had been with him the whole time. And she went back early this the, on the second day. And it was on loop B because there was an A loop and a B loop. And so when he said he had a free seat and I asked him if I could go, I'm like, heck yeah. So I jumped right in and put my four-point harness on because he didn't have a five-point, but strapped in tight because it was... It, I mean, it's hard to explain it, but it was basically you had to pop up on straight faces and then get the front end down and then pop back up. But a lot of the racers didn't even use that line during the race. I would ask them when they would come in to interview with us and they didn't use the line because they were told it was going to be slower. So when I saw a video, I think it was of Rusty. Rusty, Rusty Weiler Weiler. She, Oh my gosh. I was so excited to see that he did that. And he popped right up and he was he was up at, in 30 seconds.
0: So that was that really gnarly rock ledge when you came out of the creek to the right. It was a right-hand yes. turn and you went straight up at a 30 35 degree angle and it yeah. just looked yeah, rough and nasty. High. Yeah. Because, then that's the happy happy, right? Are,
1: exactly, happy pappy. But if if you stayed to the left instead of going up, you were you stayed in the creek for a little bit longer and then you you know, it it was a longer way around but they said it was faster, but I don't I don't know how fast it was actually.
0: I think Rusty said he passed three people there each time he did it yep. was what if I recall correctly. And then so you're right with JT. And then uh did you wish him happy birthday?
1: Yes, always. Every day.
0: Always. Every day every day's JT's happy. <laughs> happy birthday, JT. I hope you're listening to this on your windshield time. <laughs> but uh JT had his daughter out there. I want to talk about you brought up Maddie. Maddie, his 15 year old daughter, yes. she's well, I've met her one other time, but she's amazing. So she, uh, I don't know if she was an aspiring photographer or it just kind of got put on her, but I think she showed some interest with Rhonda Howell about photography. And then the amazing Alan Johnson, who was on the talent thing just a couple weeks ago, he loaned yep. her some camera gear and she went out on course during uh, the race and the pictures that came back from that 15 year old girl's eye. Amazing. Like Are amazing, uh, amazing. She, yep. she killed it. Like she's you know, professional grade and 15. So I think, I mean, I, I think us as, as a, a group, a entity, a family, a community, whatever should, you know, I think, you know, support those that support you. And I think we should be fostering, fostering our youth. And, and there's some stuff that you're doing in the future that, uh, that I think is awesome uh, along those lines about fostering in the future. But yeah, I think she's one mm-hmm. of those people that, I mean, she's JT's kid. We're going to, ta- she's got, she's already right. under the wing of Ultra 4. So it's uh, foster whatever her interests are.
1: Exactly. And she is she's an awesome 15 year old. I had spent time with her out on the course marking and then also at night we would have dinner like we had dinner at Area 51 there one night and just every night at dinner. She's just super, super awesome to sit and talk with and then like you're saying to see those photos that she took. I would not have ever guessed that she took those photos like they look like somebody like Alan or like you're saying Rhonda or somebody that seasoned took those photos. She has a great eye.
0: And that's the thing that, you know, as I've done this show, like, and Alan can vouch this, which your headshot, everyone is going to see your headshot is attached to the artwork for this that we talked about earlier. Uh-huh. That's an Alan Johnson, white collar publishing picture. Alan, Alan took your picture. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember what event it was from. I think it maybe was from Moab. But anyway, is it, it was Alan takes some great headshots. And so he and I. He always supplies me when I don't make any money at this, so I'm, I'm not really. And, and he, he loves what I'm doing, and so he, he you know, he he he's always good about that. Lana Scott's another one that always gives me good pictures. But, oh yes. But as you go through, at least at this point, going through all these other photogs' pictures from an event, I see a style. Like I can tell a style. Like I can tell who the photographer is before. I look, mm-hmm. scroll up or scroll down on social media, even see who it was. I can almost, I can't get them all right all the time, but majority of the time, Mike, I can tell an Alan Johnson photo from yeah. just about anywhere. Now, if he's told me on text, he's thinking about changing lenses. So if he changes Uh-oh. lenses, that may curveball me and I'll have to readjust. But Uh-oh. yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> I love what the, the, the photogs do. I really love what Maddie did, but uh, let's back to you. Um, Just course marking, getting out there, seeing the course learning what it takes to get the event set up. I mean, it's like King of the Hammers. It's just a smaller scale about setup. I mean, there was still timing trailer. There's still the media trailer. There's still booths. There's still vendors. There was still food trucks.
1: Yes. All, all of, that. of that. I was not involved in any of that part. No, that, that's okay. <laughs> no, it, it, it was very interesting, though, to be there early like I was. Because um, Dave Cole, he didn't even, I mean, I think he arrived I think it was either Monday afternoon or something is when they showed up. So being there from the beginning of how they set the whole you know national race up was very cool to see and be a part of. And just the ultra four family is awesome. I love hanging out with them and learning. i mean i've I've seen seen course markings because of being on the race course, but being a part of actually doing it it was a blast. Like, I hope I told JT, I said, Hey, I'm on board anytime you need help with that. So hopefully, hopefully,
0: <laughs> well, well, your street <laughs> cred, your street cred's going like through the roof right now. I like that's uh, like, like that's good stuff. And, and it, it is part of the homework, homework and getting, you know, so, you know, not just what the racers are going through, but you're starting to learn who the guys are and what their cars right. look like and where they're from. And so, you know, You've seen names. I know you've seen list and list and list and social media of of guys' names. But now you're actually pressing the flesh and shaking hands, and you're kind of learning who they are, like who they are, right? Right,
1: right. exactly. I'm trying my best.
0: Oh no, you're! I think you're killing it. That's why you We're sitting down tonight. So you yes. you got some really amazing good news this week, though, right? You got some I really did. amazing good news because we're on the. I did. We're kind of on the eve of a big race that goes on once a year south of the border.
1: Yes. So do you want me to go ahead?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I love your news.
1: So yesterday I was driving in town doing my normal mom duties and grocery shopping. And I get a phone. Actually, I got a text message uh, from uh, Julie Boyer, who has been racing quite a while herself. And she proceeded to ask me to call her. So I give her a call. And she asked me to be a part of her team for the Baja 1000. So I am now going down. And racing and driving part of the Baja 1000 for roughly almost 200 miles on the Pacific side.
0: Oh, race in the mill. Look at you.
1: Oh my gosh. It's something I've always wanted to do. My husband did it. He won it back in 2011 in our class 10 car. But uh, ever since then, I've always wanted to race it. And when we had our Can-Am, I wanted to race it and it just didn't happen. So to be a part of this is awesome because literally like she is in it for the championship as well. So it's kind of, it's an honor to be a part of a team that is not only going for the championship, but it's also all women drivers.
0: Very exciting. Who are are the other drivers?
1: Emily Shapiro is one of them. Julie Boyer, myself, and then Emmy Hall. So, and it's all women co-drivers or yeah, co-drivers, except, uh, Emmy Hall has bones. Kudra, I think is how you say his last name. He is the only male that's actually going to be in the car. And it was just, it came down to availability of everybody. So pretty much an all female team, which is pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. It's going to be a rough ride though.
0: I think it is. Wait, you know, if we go behind the scenes here, what do women do for like, you know, guys have race cats. What do women do in a race car? (laughs) You guys just pee, Uh, pee the seat.
1: Well, I have worn a depends before in a race car and used it and it was not comfortable. So I will not be using it depends. I hear they make female catheters. I've never not catheter, but it's like a cup yep. with a hose, like the guys. I don't know how that works. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do that or pee in the seat. So I feel bad for whoever's after me if I do pee in the seat.
0: Well, I think that happens. I've, I've, I've climbed in a seat that a guy has peed in and sat down and you don't realize it until it's delayed. It's not like you immediately get wet. It's it, right. It has to seep through your fire suit. <sighs> And by then there's no, by then, there's no, you're just, you're just hot and wet and steamy right? at that point. It's just, it is disgusting. And, uh, but at the same time, yeah. I don't know that there's a, there's not another alternative. I mean,
1: there even, isn't.
0: even guys wearing race casts, it's not, you know, when it's not, if you have a failure, it's when like you will have a failure well, on your race. calf.
1: It has happened. My husband's had it actually happen to him before. And then he you know, comes out with a wet fire suit. But what sucks about it though, is. You think it's easy to pee while you're driving, and it is so not easy. You have to – I mean, you have to be in a speed zone to even try to do it (laughs) because you can't pee when you're going however fast we'll be going and, you know, bouncing around. It's not easy. You have to really think about it.
0: And womp, 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 womp. Yep. I never had that problem. I have no problem going at speed. No problem. Like (laughs) – It just, I guess guess that's a benefit. I could, you know, is all it took was just, I just think about it for a second, get started. I continue on with my drive and then I'm kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done. And, but I've never, I've also never had, I've never had a a race calf failure, uh, but I have stepped on it a couple of times, you know, where it hangs out (laughs) the bottom of your boot. (laughs) (laughs) Cody Addington had his on at nationals and he was standing next to me and he went to shake my hand or hug me or something. And I just reached out and tried to like, purposefully and intentionally try to step on it. And as soon as he realized what I was doing, he started dancing <laughs> around like, don't, don't step on that. <laughs> oh, too much. Too oh, oh much. you
1: know what my husband does? I got to tell you this. I know this is not about me. It's about him, but he keeps it on for quite a while and he'll literally like keep it on underneath his shorts or pants or whatever he has on. So he can just still hang around and have a beer after the race and not have to worry about going pee and oh, just I'd- sit there and stare at you talking to you and pee
0: absolutely absolutely yeah you just dig a little t- a little hole with your with your toe just oh, in, and then you just kind of kick it like a like a dog or a cat covers their. you just kind of kick some dust over it and
1: yeah keep he's drinking back your on beer his leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good time c- c-
0: catheter talks you know awesome so yeah you so you're driving the mill that's coming up and uh you are you going down are you going to pre-run your section a bunch or what's kind of i am the, the plan around that or do you guys have that figured out yet
1: Well, literally, this came about yesterday. I am now leaving Tuesday, as in a week from today. I'm going to go down. Actually, I'm going to fly into Bakersfield, where I used to live, because that's where the boyers live as well. Um, And I will, we'll be leaving on Wednesday. So a week from tomorrow, we'll leave for the thousand. We'll pre-run. I'm not sure if we're going to pre-run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, exactly what the plan is, but we're going to get down there, pre-run, and then I'm just going to stay down there after we pre-run, and then... The rest of the team will be down in two weeks and we'll tech the car and get our IVs because actually Julie Boyer does the finish line IVs. So she hydrates the drivers. So we'll all get hydrated. And yeah, I'm excited about that because I don't want to be racing dehydrated the rest of the team will come down and then I'll, I'll come home after the thousand. It's, uh, I love adventure and I have this mug that says say yes to new adventures. And this is a new adventure and I'm super excited about it. Sucks. My, you know, my husband's not going to be going, but I'm going racing. Yeah. I, it's not the first time I've gone racing without him.
0: Right. Well, uh, and, and, and from a guy's perspective, how True. many times do we go racing without our spouses? They're like, Hey, I'm out here. Sometimes they're happy with it. Sometimes they're not, but. I love yeah. that you brought up the hydration and getting the IVs. When the Team Indiana guys were going to go race Vegas Torino back in August, we were on a text chat, and I was like, "Dude, you guys need to make, you know sign if you're going to, even mm-hmm. if you're not going to go hit mucho mas cervezas the night before, you should probably still get the IV. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know on on a hot race in a hot race car. Oh man, I mean." Yeah. But, we saw a mistake that happened at uh, at Nationals, and I don't know if it was, I believe it was fatigue. I mean, I actually didn't, have I never asked him about it, but Josh Blyler, National Championship, he's in the running for the national title. Uh, it's endurance racing, so it's not just keeping the car together, it's keeping you physically and mentally in the right place to mm-hmm. make the right decisions. And right. he missed driving over one of the timing loops and had to do B-loop again, I think is how it worked yes. out. And that's how it Eric did. Miller when's national and, and, and I, th- part of that is staying hydrated. And it, the, the first thing to go when you get dehydrated is vision and, uh, thought. and your thought process, you start, your mind starts wandering and you make mistakes. And sometimes those are costly. Like you wad up a car and other yeah. times they're costly. You lose nationals. You lo- lose the national exactly. title. So,
1: yeah, that was a bummer. That's
0: awesome though. So she does
1: that. She does that. She actually was the one at Vegas, Vegas, Reno doing those IVs.
0: Oh, so then that's probably who Jonathan Terhune and uh, and company got their IVs from.
1: Yeah, more right. than likely because it's her. That's she's building a business on it. And it's you know i I never heard of it, and then the last time I raced Vegas Reno myself was uh, I believe 2018, and she was there doing them, and I failed to get one, and I should have because I myself got a little dehydrated. Vegas Reno is my favorite race to actually drive, so
0: well, so fast. I failed.
1: yeah. It's the best race. It's the best race in North America. Well, it, In America, United in America. States.
0: <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I, I like I like the fire roads. I, I, it's just so dusty, and it's the first it week of August, and it's so hot. It's just it is it's ridiculous hot.
1: It is. I've heard rumor they might switch it up this year, next year, and go from Reno to Vegas. How Start crazy would that be? That's a I've great rumor. rumor. I don't know who I heard it from, but oh my gosh, if that... That would be awesome. A lot of people have always said they need to do that. And if they actually do it, how super cool would that be? End in Vegas and party in Vegas afterwards? I'm I, down.
0: Yeah. Wait, <laughs> I mean, I, Reno's nice to party in, but Vegas is Vegas. Uh, so, Vegas is Vegas. So do you change the name as a R to V? I would have to. I would hope so. I don't know. Backwards. I don't know. <laughs> ah, Well, well, well let's Who knows. Th- Let's start, let's let's get the flashback going. Let's get back into who who Pam Hall is and find All out right. about you. So you uh, you were born in Elk City, Oklahoma, which really isn't that far from Davis, where we no. raised what, was it maybe an hour hour and a half.
1: About probably about an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes. Yeah. It's on the I forty. It's in western Oklahoma. I was born there long time ago, but uh, my dad was born there as well. So my family was from that area, or my dad's side of the family was from that area. And then when I was seven years old, my parents, my dad's family, they sold the family farm that we lived on and we moved to California where my mom's family was from. So I lived the next 35 years in California and then up and moved to North Carolina last year with my husband and my child and yeah, got away from the West Coast. But yeah, Oklahoma, I've only been back a few times.
0: I've only, dri- I drive through there. I've never lived. I like, I like partying in Oklahoma. Like I- it seems like I'm always recreating there. It's like between grand Lake on the water growing up as a kid or going to Disney, Oklahoma with rock crawling or going to Sayer uh, for like oh. dirt riot or going to Davis for, you know, ultra four or going to little Sahara to the dunes, <laughs> Oklahoma has a lot of off-road and outdoor activities. Surprisingly exactly. enough. Yeah.
1: It does. I'm learning all about it. And I guess there's a, what, Mid-America is another um, association?
0: Yes. The, well, the, yeah, we're going to we be there next July. Are we going to be there? Oh, yeah, bring him.
1: him. I want him to race it.
0: So, Jay, Oklahoma, it's next July. I think Chip brought this up a little bit. When we we're talking about it. It's apparently an eight-day off-road wow. outdoor festival. And Ultra oh, 4s wow. are going to be there. Or at least there's a spot for them. I don't think it's a nationals point. I don't think it's a national point race, but I think it's kind of like a, they're going to have it set up like a Crandon. Okay, I, I could be off on that but
1: it's not on our schedule
0: it's not no Mm-mm. dave purposefully intentionally took me and introduced me to jason that is uh doing it so i'm i'm excited for it i'm looking forward to what they pull off there but yeah a lot of stuff going on in oklahoma but you live in yeah. ne- nebo
1: nebo ne- nebo it's a super small town i don't we don't even have a stoplight oh wait no we have one stoplight
0: <laughs> and it's and it's like northwest of charlotte a, a little ways how, how long does it take you to get over there
1: it takes me about an hour and a half to get to Charlotte, well to the airport anyways. But I live on Lake James. So Lake James is a big lake here that we found five years ago, fell in love with the place, moved here. But Nebo is what our town that we're our township is, but I'm on the cusp of Morganton, which is a bigger town. Okay. So I usually say I'm from Morganton, not Nebo, because Nebo's like, where's Nebo?
0: A dot. It's kinda like where's Randsburg? Right so how did you yeah. how did you guys you and christian find find Morganton and then just say we're punching out of California and going all the way four time zones different right how does that how does that happen to walk walk us through that I, i'm I'm fascinated
1: Well, we always knew we wanted out of California we just didn 't know where we wanted to go, so we actually had traveled with some friends to Idaho. And stayed there for like a week. And my best friend actually lives in Texas. And so she, at the time she lived in Denton, Texas, and I was going back and forth probably every three months visiting her. And I told Christian, I'm like, we have to move to Texas. Like we can move to Texas. We can have land, you know, we can have a nice house. Like we have a nice house in California, but land where we were was just outrageously expensive. So we had some other friends that the wife is actually from North Carolina She was born and raised here. She moved to California. She was married to a movie star, moved to California, but remarried one of our friends. They finally got us to come out and visit them here. So they had a little tiny trailer on in an RV park on the water. So we came and visited and stayed for four days. The other four days of our trip, we were going to Texas because that's where I wanted to move. And, uh, we absolutely fell in love with it so much that when we were in Texas, we were there for like one day and I turned to Krishna, I said, um, we're not moving here. We're moving to North Carolina. So literally two weeks later, we bought a tiny home, which is a park model. It's 400 square feet. It was within the RV park, but it's like a cabin. So we bought it so we could vacation here. So we came every summer for two months because of the business that, um, we had, we were able to leave it for roughly a month and a half to two months every summer. And we knew right away we wanted to move here. So, like I said, two weeks after we visited, we bought that place. We showed back up here three other times within that same year. Started looking for property. And it took us three years to find property and to decide how to get rid of the business that we had. Because he was a photographer, owned a studio for 20-something years. And, you know, we had a very well-established business there. And that's, we worked together. So, yeah. Anyways. But we moved here. Love it. Hank loves it. He has property to ride his dirt bike on. He's made new tracks. We have a, like almost a 10 acre pasture that I, I hop on the tractor and I bush hog it because that's the way we mow it here. Yeah. Right. It <laughs> takes me six hours on a tractor to do, but work on fun. your tan. Work on my tan. Now I wear a boat hat, like, like the big, like shade hats because I don't want a tank top tan. So after I'm done doing that, the next day we'll go out on the lake and then I'll get my regular tan.
0: So like a you you don't want like the white trashy one you want like the bikini one no like there's right there's I'm just there's making a difference sure. Maybe, I <laughs> I should have known the difference but I'm um, a dude I, I didn't I do know what I like but I wouldn't yeah I guess that would be different no. if you see like a, a girl with a like a tank top tan with a bikini on like so it'd be yeah red or tan white and then the strap and that would be yeah. That'd be it pretty happens, trashy. Though. Actually, that might actually, that might turn some guys on. I, I
1: don't know. That might be the thing. I don't know why it would, but <laughs> no, we, uh, well, we're at the races so much because of my kid that I used to get tank top tans because of being at a racetrack all the time, like every weekend. So now, now I don't have to worry about it. We go out on the lake and the hubby you takes remember? me to this Island that we all hang out on and I get me a regular tan.
0: Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you said, uh, you, know, your dad was from Oklahoma, and then when you guys moved yeah. to California, so and your mom and dad. I think, I think you lost your dad last year. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I did. I'm, I did. Yes. I'm sorry we, about we, that. we moved here. It's okay. You know, I'm actually, it's sad and I miss him. And this year on Father's Day, I woke up. Think I woke up going, I can't forget to call my dad today, and then I realized I was like, I can't. Like he's not here. So. He told me last summer when we, the day we were leaving, he said, when are you coming back to California? And I said, I'll be here in September. Hank has a race because we're flying back and forth. And he said, I won't be here. So he knew, he knew. um, But with COVID and the election and everything, it's better off. My dad is not here because this would have been driving all of us bonkers because he was getting Alzheimer's. So
0: oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's rough.
1: Yeah. And then
0: then your mom is like a super strong individual.
1: She is. She is. She has a lot of health issues, but she's super strong. She's staying with us and not staying with us here in North Carolina, but she just, she's not ready to go anywhere. She wants to see her grandkids growing up and, but she has osteoporosis. So her back is broken like six places and won't ever heal. And yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, I've learned, I've, I've learned by family members and watching my parents of don't smoke, don't you know, just take care of myself. So that's what I do. I try to do my best. But Those and I'm wor- an advocate. Of, don't smoke. Yeah.
0: Don't smoke.
1: Don't smoke.
0: Yeah. Take mean, care of yourself. Exercise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you preach it to the choir. I need to do more of the exercising. Yeah. I need to lose some weight. Uh, my diabetes doctor I had an appointment last week and they're like, um yeah, you need to do these things. am like, ah
1: Yeah. It's it's hard. It is. It's it's hard. But my mom is a super strong individual. She's she's definitely been here for me for my whole entire life, obviously. But she's just super strong and she's the kind of person that goes doesn't care where she has no filter and she'll tell you what she thinks and
0: made you who you are. She's
1: always been Yeah, yeah. And she's just she's always been a hard worker, but she just the strength that she has to keep carrying on with the health issues that she has and alone tells me what kind of person she is. And I just, that is the hardest part of being so far away and living in you know, North Carolina, almost 2,700 miles away from my mom is like the hardest thing. I like sometimes will stand at my counter and all of a sudden I just break out in tears because I think to myself, I can't just drive over and see my mom and it's the weakest part of her life. So next week, she doesn't know it yet, but next week when I go to California before we leave for Mexico, I'm actually going to show up and surprise her. So nobody knows I'm coming except the person I'm racing with and my family here. So I'm just going to show up and surprise her.
0: Or she'll listen to this on Monday morning, which as everyone else is. I hope
1: she doesn't. (laughs) I'm not going to share it yet until I get there.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, you know, she sounds like the type of individual, like, when you run across them in life and you realize, like, how good they are, like, you always keep them close to you. You keep them in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. You're, we all have you know friends that we've collected friends because we just jive with them that well, and we feel they're that good based on our own individual criteria that they are mm-hmm. these amazing individuals, so we keep them close. Your mom sounds like one of those people.
1: She is. She is, definitely.
0: That is awesome. So, your dad, not with us anymore, but he… Is kind of one of the reasons you kind of were probably ended up with Christian, your husband, because he in motorsports. He, your dad was a, a circle track racer.
1: My dad was a circle track racer growing up. So I, living in Oklahoma, he used to race at a track in Altus, Oklahoma, and it was a circle track. It was a pavement track at the time. Now it's, it's dirt, but I used to. That's where I spent my Saturday nights when my dad was racing. I just remember going, going and watching my dad race, and then um, watching my mom be like crew chief, kind of like I am to my son's racing, watching that. And then when I moved to California, he, he still raced. Um, and he did circle track there as well, but on the dirt and then growing up, you know, the whole racing, everything. So my husband is a desert off road. My dad was circle track. So, I just naturally was, I guess, attracted and uh, had a lot in common with Christian because of the racing. I didn't really know him before, so I didn't race a lot. Like, I didn't go to any desert races until after I actually married him, to be honest. Well, no, no, no. We were dating when I first raced with him, but it, that's... But you
0: were already kind of, like, you already kind of had one leg in yeah, to, to the racing yeah, world. Yeah, like, the like, racing. Like, because sometimes it's hard to... You know, to explain. yeah, relationships maybe never even get off, you know, the, the, on the right foot because the guy is always in the shop and the, the, the girl or girlfriend or whatever feels like she's competing with the race car and competing with the shop time and all this or competing right, with, right. or they're always going to play second fiddle to that. And it's and then there's someone that they are already in that and they're like, and, hey, you didn't know any better.
1: No, no, I didn't. I actually, my mom has pictures of me from when I was a kid and my dad was um, working on a truck or something. And I'm like next to my dad. Like I was the tomboy of the family. Well, I guess we were all tomboys because we lived on a farm, but I was they My parents tried one more time for a boy and they got me. So I have two older sisters, but I was the one who like went into the racing side of it. So I, it's just kind of cool to like, look back at pictures and see my dad working on cars and I'm right next to him or the race cars. I remember him taking, for, taking me for a drive down. We had a dirt road in Oklahoma that we lived on. And I remember him taking me for a drive in his race car. And that was so much fun. And I, I think I was probably five, maybe four or five years old when that happened. And I just still remember that. And that's the love of speed and race cars, you know, has always been there with me. And then when Christian throws me in his car... Hey, you wanna drive my race car? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Right. And that was it. But I also uh, grew up with this girl named Amber. Her brother is Kevin Harvick. And so I grew up actually going, as when we were younger, I would go to his go kart races with her and her family. And then um, as he got older and he started racing bigger cars, we would go out and watch him on Saturday nights. So I've always been around the racing world. I no longer speak with Kevin Harvick, but um, I mean, he is who he is. Everybody knows who he is. I, I definitely I miss those Saturday nights at the racetracks watching people race and like, well, I guess I see my kid do it, but it's just something I grew up doing. It's my life. And so that's why I love racing so much. And people don't get it, but. It's just been my whole life.
0: Well, we're going to mix it up a, a little bit uh, and kind of kick it out a little a little bit out of order. So we've talked about Christian and we've talked about Hank a little bit. So, so Christian, you and Christian, you've been married for how many years now?
1: Uh, it'll be 13 years on November 17th. And I think that's the day Baja 1000 is. No, it's the week. I'll be in Baja on our anniversary.
0: Happy anniversary, Christian. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. You're out ripping it. I mean, no. you know, love that, that is true love. Okay. And, and, and Christian, he's a professional photographer.
1: Yes. He, he did that for 20 something years. When we moved here, he packed it up and said, I'm done.
0: And so he's not doing that, it anymore. So, so how did you guys meet? How did that, how yeah, did that kind a mutual of mutual you? Your mutual friend set you guys up?
1: Uh, yeah. A mutual friend didn't set us up. Uh, we were just at a house party and we just, you know, you know, when you know. And so we had a connection. And then I actually worked for him for five or six months. And then we decided to give it a try. And then we were inseparable. So the day we got married, I got fired. (laughs) But I still had to run the studio for him.
0: (laughs) For less pay. Uh,
1: I didn't get a paycheck. (laughs) But, you know, actually, I did get a paycheck. He paid me in race cars. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Which I've seen some cool. So again, I saw a video of it, it was a Saturn. It was you guys had a little two door oh Saturn, and I want to say like, what what did he do? He put like uh, McDonald's trays or something, or, or or plastic pipe or something on the rear tires. Yeah. So it's basically no. like a two wheel drive drift car.
1: It was okay. So in Bakersfield front wheel drive drift car. Front wheel, yes, it had to be front wheel drives. But um, in Bakersfield at Kern County Raceway, they were starting a skid pan class. And so we were racing. A on the <sighs> yeah, it was a class. So the whole thing was the car had to be no more than five hundred dollars. So literally Christian being Christian because he can find deals even if they're not out there, he can find a deal. So he finds three front wheel drive cars at a junkyard that actually still ran. And he purchased all three of them for eleven hundred bucks. So we had three skid pan cars. We had one that we let people drive. Uh, like we'd have friends, Hey, come out for the weekend and have fun. And then he would drive one and I would drive one. <laughs> and then they put uh, steel plates. I don't know how thick they were on the rear wheels. They took the tires off the rear wheels and they welded them to the well, to the wheels. And then they put chains to the car so they wouldn't fly off. And sure. then you had a skid pan and they had to be front wheel drive. But I kind of got messed out of the whole deal because mine was a stick shift you could not have a stick shift and do a skid pan. It just didn't work right. So anyways, Christian ended up becoming the track champion. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, that was so much fun. We would, we would you know play around at our shop on our concrete pad that we had there at our race shop to like make sure the car was working right and stuff. But the best part about it was the track is the one who did all the work on them. They ended up putting the partial roll cages in them. They put all the skid pan stuff on them and they housed the car. So we didn't have to do anything to them. Holy smokes. So that was the
0: best did, part. Now, I saw that. I was like, I just want to do one just to, you know, mess around with in my, in my neighborhood, you know, or out in front Another of my thing. shop and just to mess around with. And then, it's no, it's a series. Oh, wow. I'm mean, a man. I need no, to look around is. here. I bet there's idiots around here that do that too. And i and those oh. are my type of people. I'm that type of idiot. racing. I've seen did that. See I've seen videos. Racing? I've seen that. Yes. I actually have seen that part.
1: Hey. Okay, yeah. It's not as fun.
0: It just looks like a lot of mess.
1: It is because they make it a mess. It's because you put beer cans and like empty cans and stuff in the door and then when you turn, everything flies out. So you're trying to mess with the person behind you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just 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 dumping dumping stuff out on the track and then uh and then you guys you guys have an amazing son hank he's 12 yes and you guys are bringing him up right he's racing and he basically from what i've seen he everything everything that has a wheel and a motor he is he is all into so tell us about that dude yes
1: Okay. So he started racing at five years old. We bought him a trophy cart for Christmas. He was actually five and a half. We bought him a trophy cart, which a lot of people know what those are. They race with Lucas Oil off-road, like the off-road and the regionals. And um, he couldn't actually go race until he was six years old with Lucas Oil. But at the time, funny story, Julie Boyer, who I'm racing with at the thousand, she had a series called Four Racing and it was at Glen Helen she invited us down to go race with her series. And so Hank had his first race when he was five and a half years old. And he just nonstop from there. Once he turned six, we went to Lucas Oil. He raced that for, I don't know, like four years, I think it was, four or five years. Um, He went from a junior one class to a junior two, which is just the same car, different motor size. Started in circle track. Once we put him in circle track, it totally changed his off-road style they uh helped each other like his driving style from one to the other just it just from sliding in the circle track to going and taking the corners and lucas oil it just it taught him a lot it, it melded well exactly and then he went into a bandolero at 10 wow. so he's 12 now so at 10 we got him a bandolero which is like a miniature nascar style they can go upwards into like the 70 mile per hour speed. And once we put him in that, he podiumed his first race. And it was very nerve wracking because he's racing against kids that are going for championships and they're seasoned racers and they're like three years older than him. Um, But he ended up podium. He was third place his first race. We pushed and pushed and pushed and he wanted to win a championship. So 2019, of course, the year that we moved to North Carolina is the year we go for a championship. So, he ended up winning three championships in 2019. So, he won the West Coast National Championship, the State of California, and then Kern County Raceway's Track Championship. Um, And then he got third place in the national touring points because we went to so many different tracks. So, we were those crazy parents that year, but it was all for him. He got his Hoosiers purple jacket that he wanted There's a champion jacket that Hoosier does. And uh, yeah, but now, and he also races in RS1 whenever we can, um, which is Obviously, we all know that's a single seat, 1000cc Polaris RS1 for adults, but the kids are starting to race them now. And he went in 2000, I think it was 2019, before we moved here, he raced at the UTV World Championship in Laughlin in a exhibition class to see if the RS1 with a restrictor in it would be competitive towards the Polaris 570. Matt Martelli, they all knew, you know, it was an exhibition class, we're trying it out, Two kids, my son and then Justin Lambert's kid, Jackson. They were the only two that ran an RS1 in the 570 class. Start dead last out of 30-something cars. My kid passed every single car and won overall in that race. So he passed 30-something cars and won. And he came in with tears in his eyes because he knew he had just passed every single car. But exhibition, it wasn't recognized. We all knew that going into it. He knew that going into it. But he still did that interview with Tiffany Stone up on stage and did everything and was so happy and so pumped. But we didn't get to go back this year so he could redeem it.
0: Oh, right. We were here.
1: Such a bummer. But actually, I was at the Rebel Rally. I was working the Rebel Rally during it. So I wasn't we wouldn't we didn't go. Yeah, I'm trying to get him in Ultra 4, though. I want him to be uh, an Ultra 4 racer. So all we have to do is build this RS1 up for Ultra 4.
0: And talk to Le- Levi. Shirley has a line on some fake IDs because I was getting ready to talk about. We we're going to talk about a uh, Hank Hall.
1: Uh-huh.
0: What he turns eighteen this year? Yeah,
1: yeah he does. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. 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 It,
0: it, so he'll be he'll be eighteen for the February twenty twenty one race. Yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how that's how that works. We just put it out yeah. there, and then it, it makes it it makes it real.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. He's not twelve. He's eighteen. Yeah, I mis I miss said that.
0: My notes were wrong. My note my notes were wrong.
1: Yeah. 18. I, I mean, I'm old enough that I could have an 18 year old. I'm old.
0: I don't know. I didn't, I didn't go do the math. I'm really terrible with it. So
1: uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm older than a lot of people it, think. So it's a good thing, I guess.
0: So you guys, you moved to North Carolina. That's basically the off, not off-road racing, but it is the on-road racing kind of mecca of the world. You guys are kind of there in the dig. So in circle track is really big there. So do you see that being something of a future for Hank being something in that part of the world?
1: It would be nice and he would like that. But in the reality and the scheme of the whole entire picture, to become, you know, even an ARCA racer, you have to come in with a lot of money for that. And some people do get sponsors, but honestly, we're not pushing like we did on the West Coast. We came here to chillax a little bit if you want to put it if I want to put it that way um he does race but just not like we did there so we're we are actually right now in the works of trying to figure out for 2021 do we want to get rid of his circle track car and just focus on whatever we can with him in off-roading because they do have some off-road associations here but as they call it they're racing in the sticks so we have to put rock guard or uh tree guards on the tires so he doesn't totally get tangled up in a, a tree hopefully but that's what we're working on right now trying to figure out what we're doing for 2021 because we're a self-funded well, race team we're not yeah that's and, and that's
0: fair i i mean look at what happened you know just look at what happened to nationals look at what happens to the last couple you know king hammers look at guys mm-hmm. like eric miller look at guys like josh blower mm-hmm. nobody is faster in tight rocks and trees than josh bliler like i right. just and, and eric miller is has to you know catch up to him so anyone that's riding on josh's coattails on that and it's those guys and they're so fast in the rocks they're so fast in the trees the tight stuff so it's because they grew up doing it you know the those guys running the line mountain series that's all they know so if you raise hank for the next he does a bunch of tight you know tree races in north carolina for the next four years or five years and he shows up at ultra four all of a sudden he's He already has it, right? He understands getting those things ruins your day.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. I know. And like we, um, Hank and I stopped actually in Louisiana at S3 power sports and we sat and we talked with Dustin Jones, Dustin Jones, we all know has, you know, raced the king of the hammers in his can am. And we were talking and it's all about, you know, he, that's how he grew up racing. And so grew up racing, you know, in the sticks and whatever, you know, is going on back here on the East coast. And you go to the West coast in the desert. And that's why they're so fast because they don't have to wiggle their way through trees. They now have a straight line desert that they can just haul, you know, haul butt and go fast. You know, it, it shows, it's kind of like, you know, how I was saying, how Hank went from circle track and off road and it changed his driving style. It's kind of like it coincides with each other and makes them a better driver.
0: Well, I mean, that's Hunter Miller, Hunter Miller, UTV. He's a, he's a, he's a woods guy from here in Texas. And he Mm -hmm. came out to King of the Hammers and first time racing ultra four, first time at King of the Hammers. And he wins the UTV race because of that background. I think, you know, Hammers definitely favored in the early days, Hammers favored the guys that recreated in the Hammers all the time, right? They knew it the back of their hands, the Randy Slausons. But now we've Mm -hmm. got, you know, guys like, well, Eric Miller just wins nationals. They load up in the 18 wheeler. And they didn't go back to Maryland. They went to Johnson Valley. Right. Because they were already halfway that. across the country. Let's just go ahead and finish out the rest of the country. So they're out there testing, mm-hmm. tuning, practicing. And that's what it is. It's uh, it's the playing field has kind of gotten leveled on those guys that had that, I call it tribal knowledge, tribal knowledge of what Johnson Valley was and what the trails were and what the rocks were mm-hmm. and all the paths and all the shortcuts. Well, now guys are doing their homework, but they're coming at it with a different Set of eyes, right? The different mindset mm-hmm. they're coming out with this immobile tree, immobile right bar- barrier for entry mindset. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> and, and and they're being successful at it, so it's really cool to see all these different walks of life all merge and meld together into what Ultra Four has become. But I can right. see Hank doing that. Yeah, me too. So you guys, you guys ran the uh Christian's photography business for many years. He had it for like twenty years, and then but mm-hmm. before you guys, when you guys first met, you were working in a, a pharmacy.
1: I did. I was a pharmacy technician. I actually got my first job at sixteen in a grocery store. I was bagging groceries, worked my way up into checking and I mean checkers actually made decent money back. you know I was eighteen years old, making you know twenty bucks an hour as a checker at a grocery store and then I went into a customer service position there, of course, because I love to talk and talk to people and help people and so Once I was in that, I went into the pharmacy and I was grandfathered in and have my pharmacy technician license. So I did that for years before Christian's business and before marrying him and working for him and then marrying him. But now here in North Carolina, I have my real estate license and
0: I'm
1: I'm on the road a lot. So, yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how that goes. I I fully (laughs) saw that coming when I saw your your real estate license. Like, how does she sell houses when she's never there?
1: Yeah. Well, I actually got my license right before Hammers this year. So right before I went, I passed my state board and I go to Hammers. I come home. I'm home for what? Two weeks. And then I, three weeks and I left and went to work the Mint 400 because I did driver's registration there for Mint 400. And then right after the Mint's when COVID hit. So in reality... I haven't had time to build it, but then again, I've been because the offices were closed, and it's hard to. I mean, really, it's hard. Well, it's to hard to show something. a
0: house when pe- people don't want other strangers touring their house when you don't know where During, they've been, and so. Right. There's, but also, I'll tell you, my neighborhood house—the house, house turnover—and you know, they're selling. It's like it oh. is completely a uh, a seller's market right now where I'm at because the the inventory for new homes is. Apparently really low. I, I didn't feel like construction oh, yeah. slowed down during this, but it must oh, have slowed it. down just enough. No. It
1: didn't slow down here. I mean, our houses, they don't stay on the market here. They still are not staying on the market here for very long. Like within like a week, houses are selling. We had a, a almost a $3 million home and the most expensive home on the lake here. Well, it was the most expensive home on the lake. It sold in 10 days and it was almost $3 million. Somebody oh. came in and bought it cash. So... Real estate's moving. I just I'm not home. I mean, I'm really not home. I show property when I can, but otherwise I'm not home. I'm quite enjoying being on the road to be honest with you.
0: Being a, a, fun. a off-road mom, race mom and uh, just this in general off-road personality. Like you are a yeah. off-road personality at this point.
1: How cool <laughs> is that?
0: Yeah, add that yes. to your resume.
1: There we go. It's pretty fun actually. And
0: then, you know, outside of that you, everyone knows mom, housewife, but homeschool yeah. teacher, you're teaching Hank at home yeah. through this, which uh, I, a year ago, I would give you like a whole bunch of street cred for that. Like being like the the home teacher, like homeschool teacher, but it's like half the country, no three quarters of the country. The moms are like homeschool teaching now with, uh, I, at least we have of our two, one of them stayed home. He's just doing the online stuff. It really works better for him. But our daughter, mm-hmm. she had to go back to face to face, but my wife is now, I mean, she works, she still works been 50 been you know, pulling some 50 hour weeks lately but she's here in the house oh, well. but you know he's just upstairs doing his stuff on his school stuff and she's doing her work stuff and they're just here so it's the homeschool mom thing that, but you're doing that and you're obviously pulling yeah. that off well
1: well when i'm not here christian's doing it all so <laughs> he's a good dad Co- a good husband
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's in the background here you turn your head no like he's I'm not
1: going. actually he went to bed lights are out
0: <laughs> oh nice
1: kids Kids hanging out on, he actually is in there hanging out with his buddies, but on like some video game, but he only gets to do that every once in a while. No, the whole homeschool thing is tough. Like we weren't super excited about the the, uh, district here in North Carolina when we moved here. And then when COVID hit, we didn't even hear from his school for three weeks after. And we were sitting here going, okay, for three weeks, we're sitting here not knowing what's going on. And then they don't, they give them optional work and they end their year with what grades they had. So they weren't very planned. They, did, they didn't plan very well. So we actually have him through. It's on, on track school is what it's called. And it's actually based out of California. So his teachers are all over the United States. And, and uh, he's, doing, he's doing good. He's trying to slack here and there. But we, we stay on him. We definitely don't want him slacking. Because no racing if he's slacking.
0: He's, he's a, a, a teenage boy.
1: Oh right. my gosh, I know. Going on 18.
0: Yeah, right. And knows everything. Right. See, I've got I've got one yep. of those. I got one of those myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh He's a good kid though.
0: Hall Motorsports. How how old is Hall Motorsports at this point? 13,
1: 13 years old.
0: Yeah. How uh, <laughs> How did How did Christian get into off-road racing?
1: His dad had a Honda Odyssey, I believe is what he had, way back in the day. Um he has a really cool picture actually of his dad having fun and him in the um dunes at Pismo. In, in California. But I think him and his dad built a class five bug and they would race it. That's what they used to do. I I wasn't around when that car was around. I, that was before me. But that's how he got into off-road racing. But he's always been a dirt biker. So he's always ridden dirt bikes. And he grew up playing in the desert with his dad and riding and doing buggies and motorcycles and Just transpired into a cage because he broke his collarbone one too many times.
0: (laughs) With with age comes the cage as you giggle.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And with me, it just came with a cage. I don't, I'm, I'm, he's bought me a dirt bike and I don't ride it. So I'll ride it, but not crazy. So yeah, I like cages.
0: You guys started dating. And then, so obviously he introduced you to off-road. You were, you knew the circle track world. He introduces you to off-road. And then Mm -hmm. at some point he... Just the idea to put you in a car. How did that go down? Yes.
1: So we were dating like two months, maybe three months. And he oh, quick. Was, like, I just, yeah, well, he, well, I had already driven the car at this point. Like when we were first dating, I drove the car, but, um, like three months after we were dating, he asked me to co-drive for him. I mean, I didn't have a kid. I didn't care, you know, whatever. Let's go have fun. So we go and it was when MDR was still around in California and we went and raced in, um, Lucerne Valley, which is around Johnson Valley area, roughest race course I ever still have ever encountered. I co-drove for him. We finished the race that same year. I was supposed to race powder puff. And a month before powder puff, I found out I was pregnant. I didn't think I could have kids. I was told I couldn't have kids unless I did in vitro. And so, I mean, we weren't taking any precautions and I ended up pregnant. So after I had Hank, he was five months old. The following year, obviously, in 2008, I did the Powder Puff in Barstow, and that was my first race I drove, and I ended up winning that race. I did sportsman class, but, um, I mean, I was hooked. I was hooked from the first time I drove that car when we were just dating, um, but it everything just transpired after that. So we raced in sportsman for a while, and and then we ended up getting rid of our sportsman car and getting a pre-runner. It was fr- a pinhole four-seat pre-runner and we said oh we'll just play in this car this will be a play car we're not going to race anymore that didn't happen we ended up racing that car in Sportsman at like battle at prim and some other races and we said we can't tear this car up like it was a pretty car like you don't want to tear it up so we ended up purchasing a class 10 car from Hall, and that was in two thousand. Eleven, we built we built a a, the class ten car and had that until 2016.
0: And that was that was a red car, right?
1: Yeah, it was a red car. It was the one in 2011. I won my powder puff race that year in it. We raced the Baja 1000 that year, and that's the year he won the Baja 1000. We went to just finish, and we ended up winning by like two hours. It was kind of a crazy, crazy thing. And then we started racing the HDRA series after that which we didn't, that, that series didn't, com, you know, keep going. Um, and then we went into best in the desert and started racing them at 400 Vegas to Reno, um, the blue water desert challenge, all the fun like the ones. fun races. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We made sure we did all the fun ones.
0: <laughs> and then that, that car was even in a, a video game.
1: It was, it was in the Forza horizon three and four, or was it four and five? We got a phone call asking if we could. They could have the graphics for it. We got the the photos from certain races um, and everything, and they they put it in put it in the video game. So we can still drive it, and it's a lot cheaper now. Right.
0: <laughs> that is fun. Like that. That is so fun.
1: It was. It was awesome that it was in the video game, but it was also um, the fold, the centerpiece, the masterpiece in metal when Dirt Sports was around back in the I day. I remember this. So we were. Yeah, that was that car.
0: I the first time I remember seeing a masterpiece of metal was uh it was JR Reynolds the UFO Ultra 4 car. okay Not this is UFO before Joe Thompson had UFO fab. This was a it was an IFS car. It was just a it was a work art, you know, a ton of tig welding. It still races in uh it still races KOH. I can't think of who the okay. car owner is. I know somebody's listening to this show right now going he owns it. You know, like exactly who it is. I don't remember who it is, but uh, it, it transacted hands of just a few years ago. It's just a is okay. a beautiful car, but that's the last. That was really what the masterpiece. Model, I guess I hadn't seen Dirt Sports before that issue, and then, but yeah, those were gotcha. always cool to see how builders were yeah. building things, and they were raw.
1: Oh yeah,
0: it was a, just a cool piece. And then, so you guys at some point, twenty sixteen, you get out of uh, the class ten. Christian has an, yep. a Baja 1000 championship under his belt from that thing. Yes. And you guys build a Can yes. MX3.
1: Yes. That was so much fun. I miss that car every day, actually. Yeah, we built that in 2017. We actually would have quite the discussions of who was going to start the race and who would finish the race when we would race the car because I was pretty much guaranteed to give him the car <laughs> <laughs> because he drove a lot harder than I I was smoother, and I was better in the technical sections. But as far as like the fast stuff, like he anyways, I would give him the car, except one year. I kind of messed up at the Mint four hundred, but that's that's not a fun story.
0: <laughs> Why we gotta be bringing up old shit, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no. um we ended up only doing two of three laps, and it was my fault, but yeah, too many flat tires well, on that race. That was the last year I raced the Mint four hundred.
0: What was that about 2015? 2015 was t- was tough, no. tough on tires.
1: No, it was 2018. Oh, I had yeah. three flats in the first three in the first three miles of the race. No joke.
0: At the yeah, you you barely got think, out of the short course. I'm laughing. Um, I'm laughing we, so I hard don't, right now.
1: We started. I can't remember if we started in the short course that year. No, I literally like had a car on my tail. I knew they were on my tail, and I was like keep, you know keeping my line. I hit a rock. And it gave me a flat, so of course I have to pull off. We get out, we change the tire. At this point, we have tons of vehicles passing us. Get back in the car, get you know strapped back in. I get behind a truck, like one of those three thousand trucks. I can't remember what the trophy lights. I think is what it was on the tail of this truck in the dust. And I don't drive in the dust, and this is one reason why I don't do this. But besides safety, I was on his tail, and we they have in best in the desert they have those pass push, you know, you push, push, you want to pass them. Yeah. And they were not moving over, not moving over. And my navigator, he just kept, you know, making sure it was going. And all of a sudden they move off. I'm like, finally. So I gassed it to go, you know, to the left of them a little bit, hit a boulder. They weren't moving over for me. They were moving over for a boulder, hit that boulder with front and rear driver's side, two flats, three miles out, had to wait for best in the desert officials. They brought me out more tires. Thank God. But I mean, there was no avoiding the boulder. So that was my horrible story of my, that was the worst race I've ever had. To be honest, <laughs> it's so frustrating to even talk about it, but.
0: But that's your worst story is still so amazing to so many people. Cause it's like, wow, I wanted a car up or I burned my car down. or.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, but we were down like an hour and a half because I had to wait for the tires and they had to go mount a couple of tires because all of our spares were out at the remote pits. So we had, you know, you disperse your tires out. And so we're beg, barring and stealing from other people that have the same tire size. But um, I wasn't super excited about the tires we were running. I won't mention their names, but it wasn't my favorite tires. My favorite tires are actually BFGs. And I know I'm, you know, Nitto with King of the Hammers and Ultra 4, but my dailies are BFGs, so...
0: Yeah, we're Sorry, not, we're, no. we're we're not taking paychecks on this show, so I I think you're okay. That is true. The, the thing the thing about this show, Pam, is your secret <gasps> safe with me. No, uh-huh. no. and yeah. everybody
1: else that listens,
0: <laughs> something like that. So, m- moving off of your uh, your racing career, you do have a you know thirteen years of a uh, of a of, of racing resume and racing pedigree. Uh, just mm-hmm. with your own self uh, with your own helmet and your own fire suit, but you 're from a long yes. line of racers, so yeah you're in there you're you know uh immersed in it so i I find that super cool that you 're there I think that's yeah that's it but I mean talking about like current affairs, so just before nationals, you said you're coming from another event, and I know that event to be the rebel emily miller's yeah. deal the rebel rally it's uh i've talked about this on the show a few other times. Ryan Miller was on no relation, Emily Miller. Ryan Miller right. is on. He and his wife. Well, his wife won. Her and uh, and Terrilyn. Yes. They're like the favorites, right? They're like Vegas odds are those two are always going to win. How many teams were there at the Rebel this year? 40?
1: There were 36.
0: But, oh, I guessed 30, at 40. 16. Wow. I just figured yeah. how many could fit on a sheet, and it seemed like about 40. So, 36. Yeah. And it's, it's 36. a female driver, female co-driver.
1: Yes. And it's not a race,
0: it's a rally. It's a rally. So it's, Mm -hmm. Ryan went through this, and if anyone missed that part, you know, you'll have to go back to the Ryan Miller episode. I think he he was this season, so five or six weeks ago, it seems to blur. They've kind of blurred together, but (laughs) yeah, so they won, and so you came from Rebel to go to the Nationals. But tell me, or tell all of us about Rebel from your perspective. Like, you raced it at one point. I don't think you raced this year, but... Is that how you met Emily Miller and kind of ended up in the scene?
1: It it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. So back in 2016, that was the year of the first rebel rally. But back in December, I think it was December, 2015, this event was announced and I saw that this rebel rally, all female event was happening in the United States. And I was super excited about it and I knew I wanted to do it, but I just didn't know how to go about doing it. Because um, I always wanted to do the Gazelle Rally, which is in Morocco. And that's an all-female event as well. But that one's like $30,000. I think that's the cheap side of trying to do that rally. But it's a na- you know, navigational rally only. So 2016 and 17, I was a competitor. And um, I fell in love with the event. But Emily Miller had called me. I was actually here in North Carolina on vacation, sitting on my dock down by my boat. Sarah Price had talked to... Emily, I believe, or I had talked to Sarah Price at the Mint 400 that year. So 2016, she said, you should totally do it. Like we've talked about racing and rallying. And so Emily Miller ended up getting my phone number, calls me and says, I have somebody that can be your navigator if you're wanting to do it. So she set me up with somebody. Um, That person ended up not working out for me um, once we met in person and everything. And I wanted to do it really bad so my girlfriend, Carrie, actually, it's Julie Boyer, Rick Boyer's daughter-in-law. All the Boyers just keep popping up in my life. She became my navigator two weeks before the event actually happened. So she came in. She did all the navigating. And Rebel Rally is a map and a compass, and you have map tools. Like, that's the only thing you have.
0: Yeah, Your no phone, no, phone, no you know, the off-limits, no GPS. This is, it's exactly. like seconds and seconds and uh minutes over hour like you guys yes. are brian had told me like there was a point where they had set up the tone rings on the abs sensor to read off distance on the because it was like you had to go you oh, and emily the diabolical genius that she is the evil mm-hmm. e- evil doctor that she is <laughs> sets up everything everything is metric
1: Yes, is that right? Everything. So everything's kilometers.
0: Yes. There's no, it's not yes. miles. And so when you go down a road and you know you're going towards this waypoint that has at some point in the future down this road that you need to go, let's call one kilometer, which is, or 1.1897863 kilometers is what right, she wants right. you to go. And then you have to convert right. that to whatever your car is. So he said something about they modified like the tone rings and the ABS to count revolutions off the tire so that they knew going down this path that they needed that tone ring to, to click off seven more times. Yeah. And so it's like one, two, three, okay, we're here. Let's mark, or how do, how do they mark and take score of, about, of, of where they're at?
1: How does that work? Well, you had, to, you had to be able to navigate on the map exactly where you were with the lat and the long. So that way of however they did their car, that's genius. I mean, mine was definitely not like that. I had a Terra trip in my car, and it half the time didn't work right. So I'm like guesstimating. Okay, this is how many miles I need to go because it doesn't say in kilometers. But um, yeah, it was it's a difficult rally. Like for people to be like them. I mean, who's gonna beat them? I mean, Kaylee and Terilyn. If they're in the rally, they're winning, (laughs) especially in their four by four class. But the whole thing is just difficult. The whole rally is difficult. Like learning. You think you know how to read a map. You don't know how to read a map until you go to like one of the rebel classes. And Emily teaches you this is how you read the map. This is how you triangulate. This is how you this is how you do your lat and your long with your map tools. And you have a plotter and a compass. And it's just mind blowing. The whole event is mind blowing and
0: And you you really are set up to only the stuff that you leave wherever Reno or wherever you leave the, the beginning of the rally with is like so if you had your however many spare tires you carry that's how many spare tires you have you have if you brought one yeah. spare tire that's what you have you need tools exactly. you better have brought them you better have planned yep. to brought it to, to have brought them now so yep. I, I I saw something there I saw some guys or ladies ladies ran the new Rivion electric pickup. Yes. What's the insight on that? Like I, I've, I've seen, obviously they're getting some social media mileage out of it running the rally, but how did mm-hmm. that work? Because like fuel and charging, they charged it at night. So what a great what a great great idea for marketing. But what do you know about that?
1: I know. Well, the Rivian looking at the vehicle was super cool and. Being around the engineers during the rally, like I actually hung out with them and got to talk with them quite a bit. And um, their PR person was also there. So I got to speak with her a lot. And I actually, we would go places. I would take them places uh, during the day to get them out and about. But the Rivian, OK, so if depending on the, the mileage that they had to do for the day, they would sometimes have to do like a splash charge. So there's this huge, you know, semi truck that was done by power. Power Innovations, which powered all of our base camps as well, trying to go solar powered so it's quiet um, and no generators. This truck would actually be there to charge, like you said, at night. Um, but during the day, sometimes they they would have to stop off like halfway through the day just to make sure they had enough charge to get them to the end. So there were actually two electric vehicles. Well, one was a hybrid, but uh, the Mitsubishi was the other one that had to be charged at night as well. But the Rivian was super cool. The truck is super cool. It's just weird popping the hood and there's nothing under there. Like that's where they keep their luggage. (laughs) So strange. There's actually a picture on social media. I think Emmy Hall, because Emmy Hall is the one who drove it because she's the perfect person to uh, have in these new vehicles. She drove a Rolls Royce last year in the rally. There's a picture of her and her navigator sitting inside of the car where the motor should be. They're sitting in it and took this really funny picture. It's pretty funny, but yeah, that's where they cut their luggage. Yeah.
0: So how long now that you've been around that and seen what one of those had done, do you, do you see any parallels to when something like that will show up in ultra four, maybe not the truck, but maybe the drivetrain.
1: It would be interesting to see one in ultra four. I don't know how they would do like the travel and stuff of it. And how would they actually make the mileage because they there's no way they would be able to make the whole race mileage wise. Like there would have to be an electric class that doesn't go as far as the ultra four racers go now, because I mean, what do they do? They do like, is it like roughly like 300 miles or something? What is, what do they do at KOH? Yeah. 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 Let's
0: call it hundred.
1: Usually Uh, count on 250. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make it because you know, you're using more power when you're in the rocks and trying to get, up the you know the obstacles and stuff and then when you're going faster in the desert that's obviously using more power so i don't know how it would work but i think it'd be super cool Somebody to it have an electric vehicle yeah i think somebody will figure it yeah
0: i heard this around a campfire recently that uh dave david thrown it out like thrown the gauntlet out like first electric race car to finish king of hammers he's got a hundred thousand dollar check for him is that right is that right have you heard that
1: i haven't heard that i have well, hell! I'll go get a freaking electric vehicle. I,
0: it was it was something that I heard thrown out. I don't know if it's real or not. You know, if that's that he'd put a bounty on it. I don't. Again, huh. I don't know. I mean, uh, well, there's maybe. an electric
1: UTV coming out too, right? So does well, it have to be a car? I,
0: I have no idea. I, I I don't know any of the details. Like literally, the, the room. So I, I I have a uh, I have a deposit down on one of the Nikola the trucks, the the Badger. And I hope that they build their factory. I hope I get to buy the truck. I like the looks of the truck. Um, Yeah. I don't really like the look of the Rivian, but I get that it's probably going to get built.
1: (laughs) I mean, it has 750 horsepower is what that one had for a electric. Have you ever driven an electric vehicle? Have you driven a Tesla?
0: I've ridden. Yeah, just ridden. And yeah, they're ridiculous.
1: They're ridiculous. I mean, you put that pedal down and because there's no gears to switch through, that thing just goes.
0: Or if you know, uh, in our circles, Deke Smithers, he's one of the East coast guys that, you know, runs around with like Miller and Casey Gilbert and that company. Those guys, Deke, uh, Deke's, he's hard into the Teslas. Like, and, uh-huh. and when he first went into him, I was like, what is this terribleness? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. And then now I know, I know why they literally will snap you back in the seat and hold you there.
1: Yeah. yeah. They're the- really fast. I've driven one once and I was really amazed. I was actually very impressed by how they drive.
0: So now with Rebel Emily Miller she yes. has senior skill set and so now she has you doing all sorts of little stuff for her there right helping run the thing
1: I um well what I do is I I work their start line so in the morning when the girls are lining up to go off on their day of their adventure I am there to help them start their day so because um Emily you know, the first year of the Rebel Rally, the very first year of 2016, I was the first car off the line for the very first Rebel Rally. I We drew number one, so I know what it's like to be that car off the line. And my navigator and I, it's just, you know, it was an awesome experience. So when I decided I wasn't going to be competing anymore, I told Emily I wanted to be involved in some way, somehow. So she put me on as the start line and the finish line because I would be my chipper self that I am and, you know, smiling and happy and trying to cheer them up if they had a horrible day when they came in and, you know, make sure they're going off on their day with, you know, the reminders of staying hydrated and, you know, having a good day and look around at their scenery and, you know, bring it home at, at the end of the day. So the personality part of it is, I, I believe one, one reason why Emily has me doing what I do because I am personable. I mean, I'm not cocky in any way, but people that know me know that I can talk to anybody. I mean, I jokingly say I can talk to the wall if I had to. <laughs> but um, no, she has me doing that. So, and then this year she had me work one of the checkpoints. It was pretty cool to get to, you know, be a part of the on course stuff only for one day this year. But hopefully next next time I'll get to maybe work some more on course stuff like I did with JT Taylor at uh, Nationals, but.
0: Right, I like how you're. At, yeah. You know, you getting an angle, angle in there. Yeah. Is this what Emily saw in you to bring you to King of the Hammers? Was that the f- first time you come to King of the Hammers? Was with her to work with her at, at Koh, or had you been out there before?
1: I actually had gone out there. I believe it was like in 2011. I don't know what year it was. I went out and actually watched King of the Hammers. It wasn't anything like it is now, the year I went and watched. I met Dave Cole, though. It was either 2009 or 2010. I was out pre-running for a race. This gentleman came over and said, Hey, I forgot my radios. Do you guys have any extra radios that I can borrow? We let him borrow some radios and um, gave us his number, said, I'm Dave. I'm King of the Hammers. We're like, what is this King of the Hammers? Never heard of it. This guy's crazy. You know, this what... <laughs> Honestly, thinking in the back of our minds, it's kind of weird, but he uh, ended up being a super nice guy. I always, I always would every year I'd send him an email. Hey, if you need help at King of the Hammers, let me know. And I never got a response. So Emily, 2016, I work, the, I compete in the rebel. She says that she works King of the Hammers and runs the media tent. And I'm like, oh, I love King of the Hammers. I've gone there and watched the event before. I said, I know Dave Cole. And anyways, I don't know if she really thought that I knew Dave Cole or not, but she knew once he saw me, I ended up going and working my first King of the Hammers in 2017 for her. And she knew that I was right for the position that I was in because I was basically like a greeter. You know, I greeted all the media. I knew a lot of the media as well, all the photographers because of racing. A lot of them, we're at the other off-road races that I was at. So it really worked out well. Um, and then just this year, now I'm, you know, what is this, four years into it, now here I am with UltraForce. So lots changed in the last four years.
0: This it's crazy, right? 2020, yeah. right? It's it's bad for yeah. some, but great for others. So right. we, let's get the this is the this is the point, right? This isn't the the right? pinnacle of the of the interview, but this is the question like what was the transition? What uh-huh. what was the genesis of putting the microphone in Pam Hall's hand and putting her in uh-huh. front of the, the camera? How, how uh-huh. who, who, who pulled that off? Like, how did that go down?
1: I'm going to throw Ryan Thomas under the bus here. So in Tennessee, I was helping out with timing. So, well, I wasn't really helping out with timing. I was sitting there while well, I was trying to help out with timing. And that was my first event to actually work with Ultra 4. Um, because of COVID, you know, the other ones were canceled. So I'm in the infield at the finish line doing the checkered flag for them because timing is there at the end. And so I, so was I. So they said, Hey, do the checkered flag for us. Ryan Thomas comes over to me and says, Hey, why don't you do the interviews for the finishers right here? Because Dan Campbell was there with the camera. And I'm like, You can't do this to me. They're right there. Like they were 30 seconds from being in and I (laughs) did not, I didn't know. Here's the camera. Here's, here's the camera. Here's the mic. So I told Ryan, I said, I can't like, give me some time and I will. So anyways, the next time. So I didn't do it that time. I just continued doing the checkered flag and working with uh, timing and everything. But the next event that was coming up was Crandon. So apparently Ryan Thomas, Dave Cole, Marty Fioca, they all like had conversation and decided that Crandon, they were going to put me on the podium doing the interviews for the finishers. And so that was my, my opening act for ultra four was at Crandon, the big house, um, Labor day weekend. And I had a great teacher. I had uh, Ralph Sheehan. I had miles. I had uh, Tiffany stone and they were all, you know, coaching me and helping me out and Marty Fioca and. Ryan, they were all helping me out. So I have great teachers. But that's how this happened. It came about. So here I still am. I'm loving it. And I'm learning so much. And it's definitely getting me out of my box because I can talk to anybody all day long. But you put a camera and a microphone in my hand. Makes me a little nervous.
0: Well, yeah. Then, so then you go to Moab. You did Moab. Yes. Rusty's not the word because you're just an amateur. That's probably not even the word either. It's, you're learning, right? You're learning. I'm
1: like in preschool.
0: Yeah. When I sit <laughs> and watch, so I've sat in, not in the knit a lounge, even I've sat at a place and watched, you know, Miles and company work in the, well, at Nashville, you guys, sit 13 hours, you guys were on there for 13 hours. Yeah. 13 hours filling space. Filling the right. airwaves, dead air. You're filling One dead mile. air with, and with, I don't even know the right words for it, just BS. Yeah. There's only so much information that you're getting fed to you that you can convey, but then you're also filling it in. Then you have to, you know, pull off of your own personal experiences, which we're learning right. you have, you're fully qualified to pull off your own experiences here. It's not like, right. I always, I equate it to when this was kind of being talked about as I was rolling this, you know, through my head and talking about this with a couple of people that, uh, Kind of, adv- I, I bounce ideas off for this show. You're not like when the NFL put sideline reporters on the sidelines at all. They put a pretty face down there to, you know, get, you know, the camera on and then to get those three second and five second sound bites as the guy passes the players pass them on the way to the mm-hmm. locker room. No, Ryan, and I know Ryan was involved with this. Ryan Thomas, I think it was, in my opinion, very genius of them to put you in that spot when you are, you are a very good looking woman. You're very personable. You're very friendly. You're not scared to talk to anybody and you always have a smile. Mm-hmm. So you always have that going for you. All you didn't have walking into that is how to put all those pieces together to fill that, the dead air time. Right. And right. in three races, you're really filling those shoes. Well, is what I've I'm seen. I'm
1: trying. Well, thank you. And I'm trying.
0: <laughs> now, now, th- now what I'm going to say next, and I said it to chip, which was this week's, and I hope, um, so I'm going to reiterate it because you're the person to reiterate it with. If it's qualifying or if it's race day, if the live show is on, the live show is broadcasting, and you are a racer and your race is over, park your car where wherever you end up. If you got to take it all the way back to your pits, okay, or pull it up outside the, the live feed trailer, go in and sit down. Yeah, Go and sit down. One, it does it does several things. It checks so many boxes. One, they get to hang out with you and miles or you, Miles, mm-hmm. and whoever else, right? That's one. That's yeah. a huge box. Two, it gets them on the air, their name out there, they're synonymous with whoever their sponsors or partners are. They get to tell their story right there live exactly. to the entire audience, and it's recorded for the future, and it helps you guys yeah. fill space with exactly. truly from the horse's mouth information.
1: Right. So, I agree. I 100% agree with you.
0: I only saw one person do this, and I've called them out. Actually, I went and said something to him on Saturday night and just said, Hey, I think what you did is awesome. I hope other, other drivers should do this. But Waylon Campbell, Waylon came in after qualifying. Waylon came in after he, his race was over at nationals. Did any other drivers do that? You had like Josh Uh, West came in, but Josh isn't a, a racer.
1: No. Yeah. No. The ones that came in were the ones that finished the race. Like the ones that came in finishers. Yeah. We didn't have anybody really that came in after they had a mishap or didn't complete, but yeah, Wayland, he came in for sure. He uh, had quite, quite the ending to that race, but, uh, he definitely, he still came in Yeah, and you know what? And the next thing you know, he's out in the pits helping with his dad coming in and, uh, Ryan Miller, they came in and you, we saw, I saw on the live show because that's what I'm sitting there watching. I'm watching the cameras and I see him, you know, now he's working in the pits that that family is so amazing. Like,
0: they really are. How they do that. But
1: yeah, it, I definitely agree with you, though. Like the racers definitely should come in if they can, no matter if they had the worst ending to their race or not, still come tell your story because the people that are watching it at home and watching the live show, it's only going to build the audience for that racer and for the live show because now, like you just said, from the horse's mouth, they have the true live interaction of what happened to them on course. I get it. If you're stuck out on course so far, you can't come in. That's just a given. But the racers that do, you know, get back to their pit, come in, come on in and sit down and take a seat out. You know, I'm always one of those. I sit and I pat that seat and I say, come on, sit down right next to me. You know, and they come in, you know, well, Waylon's the only one that came in. But, yeah, they come in and sit down and they start talking about what they do. Like Dawson, Dawson comes in every time I've been in there on the live show. He has came in and he has talked. That family is another family that just, you know, I'm a big fan because yeah, the whole Allington
0: family is great folks.
1: Yes, they are. They are. And coming in and just knocking on that door and saying, hey, you know, or just walking in and hey, let's put this person on the mic or even the sponsors that are there like Ryan with Nitto. Hey, come take a seat. Let's talk about, you know, the race for you. What's going on with you? So it's really good to have people come in and do that. No matter if you're a racer or one of the sponsors, there it definitely helps fill that airtime and gives us all something else to talk about besides hearing Miles and I's voice. (laughs) Right. Well,
0: (laughs) but but it does help you and Miles and or or you Miles and Ian or you Miles and you just everyone who ends up in that situation. It helps you guys because one you get from the horse's mouth, like I said. But you guys are out there, and I don't know how you do your homework yet, but Knowing Miles, and I do know Miles, he may be one of the hardest working people going on at a race. You know, everyone when everyone is socializing and drinking beer on Thursday night or on Friday, he is drinking beer, but he's also taking notes and going pit to pit to pit to pit. To exactly. pit. And he know and he sits down with his papers and he's got the pictures and he's constantly scrolling social media to see, you know, to identify One, what the driver looks like. Two, who's co driver is, what the car looks like, what the car looked like when it was clean, then what changes they've made between the race, last race and this race. Mm -hmm. And if you don't put it on social, he might not see it. So he's going, or if you're clandestine, I mean, there's not a lot of that in Ultra 4, but there's a little bit, but he's going pit to pit to pit talking to everybody like, hey, tell me, you know, tell me tidbits. So Friday night after qualifying, he's out there doing his homework doesn't kill exactly. it until he's done and then he shows up and that's what he draws on for that next 13 hours of the, right. the live show and if he and he, he's just figured it out he goes if i put in my homework i have stuff to talk about but right if people show up and sit down then hey that, that they come to him right or come right, to exactly. you and so hopefully it exactly. comes to a point where they're walking up to you pre-race and post-race and be like hey i'm Here's what, here's what happened. And then you're like, yeah, man, yeah, I appreciate that. I'll use that next time.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's what like miles doing that going pit to pit is awesome that he does that. I am learning who the drivers are. And like, I mean, I came from desert racing, so you give me the desert racers and I can, I know exactly who they are. I can walk up and say, Hey, but learning the ultra four drivers. And I, I've always been a shy person, believe it or not. I have to start doing what he's doing and going to the pits. I'm not going to go sit and drink beers with him afterwards just because I'm just not going to do that. I mean, I'll have a beer, but not – it's different. I'm a girl.
0: It takes miles about 13 to get all the way through all the pits. So, that's (laughs) (laughs) – I'm only half-joking. It's only like seven.
1: That, and I shouldn't say I'm a girl. That's not you know – I've been around all these racers enough to know that I can hang with the best. But I don't know how – appropriate it is if i'm there this is something i might want to scratch out but i might want to not like the the wives i don't want you so you're looking at your time right
0: <laughs> look, at, at, your, your look time. at your
1: time because this might i might not want this in there i don't want the wives thinking i'm there trying to hit on their husbands
0: and i think because I'm i an, think that needs to come up oh, i think that's a good conversation piece to have okay no I, I i really do I, I i believe that because there is this who is this hussy right well, well right. they're going to have the chance to, you know, one, your record is, you know, you're on the record here, but, you know, it's relationships are, are, are nasty and dirty and people are nasty and dirty. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I've said on here before, I hate people, but I love humans.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of,
0: that's kind of where that goes. Like uh, it, it doesn't take much to someone to read into something that isn't there. And, right. it, and it happens on a regular basis. And that's where you see, you know, like even in within guys in, in motorsports, you know, two alpha males like having, you know, because he didn't let him pass on this race six years ago that now they still yeah. hate each other. And so there's kind of that. And I can see how you wouldn't want that. But I can't it's, imagine, it's a, you know, and, and it is, it's a family sport and it's a family environment, right. but it is predominantly a, a, a lot of guys around. But yeah,
1: it's hard to word it properly but i don't i'm not there for that and i don't want women thinking that's what i'm there for and i don't you know the wives or the girlfriends i just i don't know how to properly word that but i think you can do that during the daytime
0: i think i don't think it has to be you know late in the pits or if you're doing it late in the pits you do it with a you're with a a group of others uh, and and you know and you're there specifically or you you make sure uh, you just grab one of the camera guys and try to get some True. snippets or something. i think there's ways around it to where people believe and know and recognize that everything that you're doing to put in background uh in your homework is, is, is above board um i, I, I think maybe
1: it's because i'm new maybe it's because i'm new and they don't know me that's maybe that's what i'm worried about i don't know but i mean i, 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 would, it's fair, I, would, I would talk to the wives just as much as i would the the husbands the, because they're just as much as part of the team as. Well, i mean look at leah miller right
0: listen some of the wives are the the funner of the couples <laughs> out there in, in the pit. So like you go to like, yeah. like in, in the Rufus racing pits, all the wives are way funner than the dudes. Levi Shirley's wife, funner than Levi. Eric Miller's yeah. wife, Lee, funner than Eric. I mean, we can go, we can kind of go on, on and on and on down, the down the path. Like the wives are the ones who are the funner than the guys. So. Yeah.
1: I totally get you. Yeah. Hey,
0: but, but that's, a, that's a good concern.
1: Well, when we race them 400, the husband would go to bed. I would go out, but I had, I had a bodyguard. I always called him my bodyguard. So I always had a bodyguard with me to make sure I got back safe and wouldn't go out by myself. So,
0: <laughs> my, so mint 400. So my wife loved my wife, but she just does not like the desert. She doesn't like the races. She loves the people, the people is she's uh-huh. all down for. So if we go vacation places, that are not racist. She's always in for that, but Mint Four Hundred is the one that she always came. To. She always came to the Mint Four Hundred because it was in Vegas. We would go crash mm-hmm. out. She would go to the casino. <laughs> so because oh, so, she loves to, she loves to play blackjack. So Vegas worked well for her. That I mean that wow. Mint Four Hundred worked well for her. But you know I, I see exactly what what you're saying, and I think a lot of people will be able to identify with that. It's a it's a valid concern. We've all seen. I mean, we've, we've all gone through friends and family that have gone through divorces over right. petty. Well, I'm going to use the lack of better words, petty shit. Like it, right. it's not real, but then we've also fully recognized when things have been askew and astray and everyone's mm-hmm. just very cautious about that and tiptoes lightly around those issues. So
1: yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Hey,
0: I'm hundred percent, hundred percent there.
1: Okay. I just, I'm not sure how to word it.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think there's a right way. To, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a messy hair around the situation deal.
1: Well, because I'm a friendly person and people's people, and I know that people do sometimes take it the wrong way. And it's just like, that's just my personality. I'm a friendly person and I'm not, it's not just because I'm being super friendly doesn't mean I'm trying to go home with that person or well, that, does that it, make sense?
0: no a hundred percent and i've read i've actually i've actually read a lot of a, a lot about this in recent times because the way the way dating has gone over the last 15 to 20 years where it's predominantly gone away from the how we used to meet like in a bar or someone set us up or in person you physically met them first and you had to make that point of mm-hmm. your pickup line or something whatever that was right. what you know even if it's just bumping into them at the grocery store today that's kind of weird. Like, I'm. I'm told yeah. that's weird. I'm married. I can't even imagine me in the dating scene. That tells me how. Um, uh,
1: no, I'm ia hundred percent agree with you on that.
0: <laughs> I, I feel so bad for these people, but the, in the people that have gone through divorces and are now dating, trying to, re, it's all online. And, and by the time you've actually made first contact, they've had the ability to scour your social media. So they have yes. found your pictures of you wearing an American flag, holding guns, you know, right. They've scared you. They know who you are. And they already kind of have a preconceived notion do they want to go on a date with you or not go on a date with you? So you've already been, you already went through like a, a background check before versus <laughs> back in the old days, we didn't have that. You was like, uh, you had to date us like three or four times before you figured out if we right. were done or not a dud. So, right. I think it's really awkward. So what I guess where I'm going to kind of close this out is today, the human mind, I believe likes the, the personal interaction, even though technology hasn't really supported it when it comes to dating. So, When you have guys or women just doing personal interaction, just being themselves and being friendly and a smile, something as simple as a smile today can be misconstrued as attention in the wrong flavor. Right. And
1: exactly. That's what I mean.
0: And that's what it is. It's just, it's not even flirting, but someone could conceive it as, as, as a flirt by just being friendly. And apparently today friendly is too much. So, yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from and your art, your argument and your concerns, they hold water. They really, they, mm-hmm. they, they hold water and it's just not for you. It's, I think it's society and kind of where we're at today. I, I know it's yeah, not I, just technology, but I, I know you're out doing your homework and I know you're concerned about that So, but I wouldn't be that concerned. I think everyone's going to listen to the show and think that, wow. Uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but I should think about that because we're all dudes. I mean, of all the people that listen, majority of them are dudes. So they're like, oh, <laughs> oh so sorry we just sorry we just put this you know this uh was it the, the 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 red letter the no that the a the crimson the, a or scarlet whatever a, the scarlet, scarlet letter the scarlet, scarlet. god kidding, so so there's <laughs> pam with her scarlet like pam's like why won't the why won't any of the, the drivers talk to me after Whoop because <laughs> <laughs> like, right. uh, uh, damn it i'm uh, so sorry there, goes, I,
1: crap, there comes pam tied <laughs>
0: I jinxed you. I'm I'm sorry about that. But yeah, so but you're you're totally settling in. That's the the, the yeah. key where we're going with this is you're settling into this new role. You didn't a year ago. You didn't know you're going to be holding a microphone. You didn't know you're going to be live no. broadcasting. And now you're a motorsports announcer. You are motorsports celebrity. You are a personality. I don't know. Is celebrity the right word? I don't know if so, like no, like, not yet. I don't know if that's it. So like like Lauren Healy, you know, is Lauren a celebrity or is he just a personality? Um. Or is Von, is Vaughn? I don't know. Like I, I I I'm like if they're in my me. phone, if I have their number on my phone, they're they're my buddy. But <laughs> I guess we know exactly.
1: Fam-
0: I mean, are they famous? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that works today. Uh, maybe I maybe that either. We'll talk about that in the, uh, the next time you're on. Uh, but yeah, man. So uh, kind of as we're starting to close this out, there's a couple more things I, I want to you know kind of wrap up okay. with you. You want to race Koh yourself, right? You want to check that box. Oh
1: my, yes. So the Ball One Thousand, I'm getting checked off, uh, and Koh is definitely. It's been on my radar since I came and watched it back. I think it was 2011. I think that's the year I came and watched it. I've always been like, I want to race Koh. Like, it's a dream of mine to do it. Um, so I'm like, hey, who, who? I don't care if I was a navigator or the co-driver. I would. I just want to do it. I just think it'd be so much fun to do that race. I know it's hard work and getting out and winching and you got to be in shape and all of that good jazz. But my goodness, like to race KOH is a, a dream of mine. Like I want to do it so bad.
0: Do you still think it's the single hardest one day race on the planet?
1: I don't know. I haven't done it, done it. So I don't know.
0: Well, I just mean from, from, from the you. outside, from the outside looking in at it, do you from think it is
1: outside? Yeah. 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 I would say it probably is right there with the Baja 1000. I mean, depends on the length of it and you no, know, I probably because you have all the rock, you know, all the obstacles that go through and everything it's, it's different. So, and how many, I mean, how many drivers actually finished KOH? There's oh every year it's a very small minute number
0: well, I of drivers. When, when Dave started, you know, he said if if no one finishes, it will be successful.
1: <laughs> I could see him doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think yeah, thirty percent. You know, I, I I think when it starts getting sub twenty percent, I think kind of bec- in my opinion kind of becomes problematic. It starts losing some luster. But then when yeah. some of the stuff like KH this year, I don't think I. F- felt this is just this is from the outside looking in right i was media now i'm media now um Mm -hmm. it felt like ultra four wasn't prepared for the leaders to come back as quickly as they did this Hmm.
1: year i'm in the media tent so i have no idea but yeah yeah
0: so let's talk about the future real quick before we close out with you the future you want to learn how to weld what's that about
1: i've wanted to learn how to weld for probably 10 years now and i can't let my husband teach me because he can't weld. Sorry, honey. But yeah, he cannot weld. I would not let him weld or teach me at all. No, it's something I've always wanted to learn how to do. I used to watch my dad do it as a kid and I never tried it, of course, because, you know, I didn't have a, what is it? The helmet for it, the visor. So, you know, I couldn't watch. But um, it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to learn. And um, I know there's tons of people out there that could teach me. It's just all about taking the time and actually learning to do it. And um, I know that there's little classes at KOH that like the Ladies Off-Road Network, she'll do little welding classes and stuff. But I'm always so busy that I'm not able to go over to them. But it would just be super cool to learn how to actually do that
0: that's charlene bauer right Char- yes. the Char- charlene gets us because i didn't realize welding was a part of that but that's very cool yeah. charlene bauer and it is the women's off-road network right that is yeah yeah i, I, I don't know
1: where she does that
0: well i saw them multiple times during the week last time she touring around with a i don't know what do you call that what do you call a a, a group of women an
1: entourage an
0: entourage
1: I just, I just call it an entourage whenever it's a group of people that are always together
0: an entourage do like, you like
1: it's an entourage
0: you know, like they say like a murderer crow. You know, uh a uh, a clouder of cats.
1: <laughs> C- cats are not it's a, good a, to put it's a group a of women.
0: Yeah, like you can't say that. Like,
1: no, like Wyatt, not Wyatt, you're fired. All
0: women. But um yeah, so I saw Charlene Charlene would give her tour uh she you know, her her large group. What she's doing is very cool. I think there's something yeah. for everybody in Hammertown, but yeah. So yeah. Learn how to weld. Somebody's got to, learn. maybe we need to get you, maybe someone from Lincoln electric will hear this and they'll be like, Oh, oh you yeah. know We need to put her in a Lincoln electric race car, but we can't do it without teaching her how to weld. See, checking exactly. all the boxes. I'm I'm thinking outside the box here.
1: I like it. And then they can send me to their school. They have a school, a week long school at their, at their facility. I believe.
0: I think somebody needs to do that for you. An ultra four
1: sponsored person coming in. no. Those have to be a Lincoln sponsored person coming in from ultra four learning how to weld and I can talk about it on the live show.
0: <laughs> so Pam, that's exactly how marketing works. <laughs> I think that's exactly how it works, but I could be entirely wrong, but I think that's exactly, you know, you'll start to see your wardrobe for the live show change, right? As people it are has already, it has like, and I watch like, you know, miles and you know we talked about bailey his wife earlier and miles brought bailey to this last race to nationals yeah and that and that was pretty cool and i you said something to me about i need to bring christian to an ultra four race so when's
1: it yeah but he won't
0: gotta get that on his schedule he's got to get out there no
1: he won't he won't um be, well now that we're over on the east coast he's not going to travel with me
0: so like Hank Tennessee. really needs he, Hank really needs to start racing then Ultra Four. He
1: does. Yeah. He does, and then Christian can start working for Ultra Four. <laughs> so, <laughs> just have a family affair.
0: So how close is that South Pittsburgh race? Is that going to be the closest race for you guys this next year? Rush
1: Kentucky is the other one.
0: Rush Kentucky are those about the same distance from you guys, or is Rush Kentucky a little closer?
1: I don't know where Rush Kentucky is at. I haven't mapped it. But I usually map everything because I want to see: am I going to drive to that race, or am I going to fly? Um, but the one in Tennessee, I drove there this year. It only took me five and a half hours to get there, which is nothing. Turn up my radio and sing like I'm Mariah Carey and drive along. So,
0: see, I would have guessed that Rush is like four hours from you. So, I, it's that's probably I'm probably pretty pretty close to that. But
1: it's probably probably so. I don't know. I'm Not very good on my East Coast states yet.
0: Well, Pam, thank you for coming yeah. on. Did we cover everything that you kind of wanted to get I think out there? So. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I, I well, think so. I'm ecstatic about, you know, ha- having one, a, uh, just such a, just cool conversationalist, someone who is your conversation that you flow with and you jive with, and you have just an able to just have a killer kick-ass dialogue. That's fun. I had a fun awesome. time. I ha-
1: well, I had fun too.
0: I had a good time. I hope our listeners really enjoyed it too. I appreciate you guys dialing in and, uh, it on to your uh, streaming audio and catching, uh, Everything that is Pam Hall, and you guys can catch her on the oh. live feed, you know, King of the Hammers coming up in February. Yeah. Or if somebody is following the mill, we'll track you down on the tracker and see how you guys are doing racing the, yes. uh, the Baja 1000 here in a few weeks. That's pretty exciting stuff.
1: It is very exciting. Julie Boyer, like I said, Julie Boyer is the uh, driver of record, but the car number is 1662. 1662. So, well, That's the car number. Yeah. It's uh, going to be a rough race, but so much fun.
0: Well, I'll have to post that to the Talent Tank Insiders page on Facebook when uh, the thousands going on and uh, get everyone to make sure 1662 is one of them that they have selected to follow. Well, cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, Pam, good luck at that. Be safe. Have fun. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to come on the Talent Tank and, uh, and tell us who you are and what you do. and. Kind of the genesis of how you became someone who was filling our airwaves on a uh, ultra four race weekends. We, I'm very happy about it. I'm very grateful for it uh, for you doing that. Thank you.
1: Oh, well, thank you. So thank you for having me. It was exciting and fun. I was so nervous, but it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, you were nervous. Oh man. Well, all right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you Pam. Thank you everybody for listening. And on that note, we're out. Thank you for listening and taking a dive into the Talent Tank. Please like and subscribe on Instagram at The Talent
1: Tank or our website, thetalentank.com.